Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode one two zero. Hello, Rob Jones. Good evening, Tom Walker. Good. E- it is evening now, actually. I've yeah, turned my okay. aircon right down, so I'm extra chilly mm-hmm. for today's guest because it's a it's an Arctic themed show. I thought you were going to say something about oh, I'm getting ready for bed or I've just had a hot shower or something. No, no, it's just the replicate <laughs> conditions. Replicate conditions, exactly. You're going to put mittens on in a minute. Before we get there, mate, Hoka.com. Have you decided mm. on your shoe choice yet? I have. Go on. Clifton's. Have you have you run in them before? I've I've gone and tried them on, actually. I have. Yeah, the reason I'm going for Clifton's is because... Uh, they are more of a higher mileage shoe. And my next race after Eco, I can't even say Eco Trail Alula, Alula, Alula. My next race after Saudi is going to be very long. But wait, you've never, you've not done a run, a long run in these. All oh, right, no, I've, I've tried them out though, and I like how they feel. Here we go. First rule of racing. No, no, I'm not racing in them. Don't be silly. Ah, I thought you were going to be racing no, on the weekend no, no. in them. Train, a training shoot. No, don't be silly. I know okay. that. I was getting panicked. The audience was going, what's he doing? This is their own advice he's not following. Oh, right. So wait, you're asking me, hoka.com, have I picked my shoe for the race on in Saturday? Saudi. Yes, I have. Correct. I'm running. <laughs> sorry. Here we go. It's been yes, a long day of the, learning. <laughs> I'm running in the Challenger. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, not the Carbon X or Speed Goat. You've gone I'm not running in Carbon X. Full Marcus hybrid. is trying to hustle me into running in carbons across sand dunes, and I'm not biting. I reckon there's still time. What have we got? Yep. Four days. Still yeah. time. It's a silly idea. I, I fully believe, though, that he will run in carbons across the desert. Yeah, I think he's got the it. gators on them already. Mm, probably. Brilliant. Okay, so you've... But but you've pleased to announce that you're now going to be training in the Cliftons. I will be training in the Cliftons, yeah. Great news for everyone listening. And and why have you switched over to them from the Mac Fours? Um, purely comfort over longer distance. Okay. I think they're a little bit well. They're more hard wearing for what I need them for with my running style as well. Nice. Maybe need to try a pair. Guys, you can go to hoka.com and you can go through their shoe questionnaire and you may have to be one of these people deciding whether you go Mac 4s or Clifton's. You'll yeah. know how it feels to be Rob Jones. That's actually both very, very popular shoes, aren't they? Very, very popular. Very, yeah, very. So head on over there and check them out. The other people to go check out are Precision Hydration and Fueling. They are a company with a very good comprehensive website. Mate, have you been on there and checked out the case studies? Not yet, no you should they're brilliant so they take in they i mean they ask us but they ask a lot of other all their athletes as well what they fuel with during a race and hydrate with and then they put it all into this really cool like infographic that you can um read and look at and then they have it into categories as well so uh, ultras they have triathlon uh, marathons cycling races you name the endurance sport they've got it in a category and you can go on there and you can check out what the best or some of the best athletes which isn't us in the world are doing uh with their fueling and hydration strategy and i even took them up on their free 20 minute hydration and fueling strategy consultation last week with uh abby who came on the show yeah 
I, I got 20 minutes of your time and we chat for you a few other things just in these next few weeks, how I'm going to fuel ready for South Africa. And it, it's so useful and it's free and it's only 20 minutes of your day and it, it could change, could change your race. It could change your training. I have a question for you on that. After your call, is there anything you're going to change? Um, or did well, it just cement your, if you like your, or concrete or give you like confidence in how you were going to feel? Yeah. A lot of it was, is, was, uh, like you're saying, was me going through my plan and her saying, yes, that can work. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but one thing I'm not, not done is implemented caffeine. And mm-hmm. so she helped me figure out a way of implementing caffeine into, into the race. And now I, I'm really excited to, to pop pro plus through my race because I didn't no, have it in Estonia do? and I haven't yeah. used it in training, uh, for a long time. So I've had nothing with caffeine in, uh, while working out, I just have a coffee before. Yeah. Um, so now I'm just excited to get back on the caffeine. It'd be absolutely buzzing. And of course you're going to test this before you go, right? Yeah. This weekend. Um, and maybe Thursday, got a long run Thursday, got a long ride on the, on Saturday so I can, can have a go. Um, but yeah, going for the, the, the old, uh, pro plus. Fantastic. But I haven't heard it. I haven't, there's haven't... secret news. You can't tell anyone about this, but uh, precision fuel and hydration are coming out with something with caffeine in. Really? A caffeine yeah. gel, yeah. perhaps? Well, I don't know if it's a gel, mate, but yeah. Careful. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> can't say anymore. Um, well, they also have either, some is incredibly... It's going to be some sort of drink mix or it's going to yeah. be a gel. That's... <laughs> Maybe they're on coffee beans. Uh, a bar maybe coffee beans yeah bar caffeine bar um if you head to our show notes which i don't know if anyone does that anymore but you can either go to precisionfuelhydration.com or you can go to our show notes like it's 2015 and you can click on the links in there and they have some useful blogs um which are well worth checking out and then also on there you get the free online sweat test the quick carb calculator and then you can also book in, like I said, for that 20 minute consultation, which is super useful. Mm. And Definitely. if you are a first time orderer, you can use code RUNSTRONG22 for 15% off. That's very good. Brilliant. Today's guest, we both know him quite well. Mm. He's been on before. No, he hasn't. He's been on the Inner Fight podcast before. He has. He's definitely been on that one. He has got his own podcast. I think it's called the Create Media Show. Something like that. <laughs> give, give Anyone in Dubai will know our guest who's coming on. Um, some people out of Dubai will know him as well. He, I think he's got like maybe 15% Welsh blood. So we get on great. You guys have run a couple of ultras together. Yes, we have. Yeah. Uh, which ones do you do, mate? You've done Oman, UTMB Oman. UTMB man, uh, bits of what he be ran together and actually just yeah. a good few long training runs for those races. Yeah. Um, he's actually one of my athletes. He is, uh, he's been with me quite a while now. Must be nearly four years, three and a half years. Jeez. Um, and he is going to tell us about his race that he has just completed, which was the Arctic ice ultra, mm. um, which takes ultimate. place from beyond the ultimate yeah which takes place in northern sweden 230 kilometers total broken over five days 
And well, having researched the race, it looked brutal. And having heard from him already, it sounds brutal. And now you guys are going to get to hear his take on it right on this show. So without further ado, here is Tom Otten. Tom, welcome to the show. Long time listener, I know. You finally made it on. Absolutely. It's a, uh, it's a privilege. <laughs> privilege for us to have you, mate, in your busy <laughs> schedule. Can uh, you feel your fingers and toes yet? Um, I get that question multiple times a day, actually. My, uh, the answer is my two big toes, no. I could, put, um, I, could have, I could put a pin through each of my big toes. Uh, and the six fingers, I, they're slowly, slowly feeling something. The skin's peeling off and I can feel something. So um, the body is recovering. The body is recovering. Full Mr. Deed style. You remember that film where he puts oh, the spikes in his film. Foot? Yes. <laughs> I don't know that film. Adam Sandler. Oh, good movies. Anyway, Tom, you, yeah. we've done a little bit of an intro, so the guys know what, what you've achieved, but can you just try and put into your own words, obviously, the, the, the distances, where it is and everything is, is one side of it, but can you just put into words what you did over five days? Sure. So it's, um, as I'm sure you've said, it's, you know, it's 230 kilometers through Swedish Lapland. It is a, a brutally um, beautiful environment, um, but it is very much uh, a brutal environment. You're running through frozen lakes or running across frozen lakes through uh, forests that, that will remind you of uh, the movie Narnia. Um, you're running through uh, sometimes little small little villages every so often, like, but very, very remote, sort of like more like, um, uh, like farmer's huts and this sort of thing. It's just, just an incredible landscape, a, a place that, that not many people get the privilege to go to um, and one that's, that's so remote that there is you know, just very, very little human intervention in, the, in, in that whole area. So um, you know, sometimes and the Sami people, and I get the number wrong, the Sami people who are the local Swedish um, people of the area, predominantly reindeer herders, uh, they have something like 60 or 70 different words uh, for snow. Uh, and that will give you an idea of the different conditions that you come across when it's like slightly frozen on a lake or it's slushy or it's, a, it's fluffy snow or it's snow that sticks to you or all of a sudden everything's iced up. And it's, it's pretty intense, you know, when it goes from, you can, you can be running in minus four and 30 minutes later, it could be dropping to minus 15 and then an hour after that, it's minus 35 and it's a sideways gale. So it's, um, yeah, the, you're constantly managing your, your heat through your head, through your hands. You can't do too much about your feet. Um, and just sort of dealing with layers depending on, on, the, on, on the environment. But it's, it really is very remote, uh, very beautiful. But um, yeah, it'll catch you out in a second if you're not ready. So how, how do you even decide to want to sign up for a race like this because it's so far removed from where you, we live and the training conditions that we have day to day. Well, look, you probably know the answer to that. It's exactly because of that, um, that, that I wanted to do it. You know, you and I have both been, um, been lucky enough to do some great races around the world uh, that have been desert related or mountain related, uh, but something that's not too dissimilar to what you can find here, whether you're going to, to rack for the mountains or you know, mm -hmm. you're training in Al-Qudra for, for a Jordan or an MDS or something like that. So having, having done those, I, I was looking for something that was gonna be way outside of my comfort zone. And I was actually trying to replicate that first, for me, the first race was MDS in 2015. And I was trying to find something that would give me that same sense of 
slight anxiety, slight excitement, like feeling that, that first race feeling again. So I knew it had to be something that was so far removed from, from any experience that, that I'd had. So when I was Googling and trying to find things that looked like that, when I saw the snow, I was like, yeah, well, that's pretty much the polar opposite to the desert, right? So um, yeah, so that was it, right? Just trying, trying to find something that scared me into action. Yeah. How long did you give yourself? Obviously, I know the answer to this, but... <laughs> being my coach you should know the answer to this so <laughs> first of september so um so yeah summer of last year was just yeah based some baseline fitness and first of september we started to look at things um in a much more structured way like how do we build towards this and you, know, you and i spent time chatting about you know, how do we even train for this like what you know, what what is it like in the snow? How do and that's the, there's two things there. One's the physical conditions, right, which you can replicate with sand. Going through soft sand does replicate going through soft snow. There, there are there are there are similarities because of the weight on your feet. You've got snowshoes, ice piling on top. There's there's weight there, and obviously when your feet sink in the sand in the dunes here, it's a similar sort of thing. But one thing that you can't prepare for is the cold it's it, your body does weird things you, you it doesn't know how to react because it's it's reacting to such an extreme environment let's say if it's minus if it's below minus 20 your body is reacting to such an extreme environment that it it doesn't really give you the right signals now you both of you are very advanced runners most most environments you go into you can do a systems check and know exactly what's going on all the time because you know to the nth degree how your body behaves in certain environments right if it's a bit too hot for you you know how to you know how to kind of dial it back a little bit and how to manage it and you know where your line is right depending on the weather over there it's quite different because there's, there's so many weird sensations happening at the same time plus uh, not wanting to necessarily eat or drink and, and also the faff of trying to get all of your gear out and off and on again there's there's so much going on that um yeah you can get distracted and, and it's those things that, that can really um, make you fall short when you're out there because it's not like the desert okay you could you know it's like you go for a run it's too hot okay boom you, you've blown up you just walk home you can you don't have that luxury over there if you get it wrong you can start to go quite quickly towards hypothermia if you've overcooked it and you're sweating and then all of a sudden you get caught out the temperature drops you've not got the right gear on you leave it a little bit too long because you think you're fine all of a sudden you've got ice frozen around your chest because you know your gears you, you sweat through it and you're covered in ice it can go south quite quickly so it's um it's just a completely different set of metrics that you're trying to monitor the whole time so your mind is busy dealing with food water gear temperature foot conditions and my snowshoes on properly um all, all this sort of stuff so it's it's a different um yeah different 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 vibe really i think you mentioned in your blog actually at one stage you got caught out trying to it was a 10 minute run or a 10 minute walk from one camp to another or yeah. from one hut to another and you thought oh, i'll just i'll just i've got my jacket on i've got everything ready i'll go but you didn't have yeah. gloves yeah yeah that was it mate it was um we'd woken up to so the first night it's quite cool you arrive at the mountain center they do the full race briefing there's a nice log fire you've got some hot water to make your first um rehydrate meal that sort of thing um and then once they've done all the kit check and, and all that sort of stuff they kick you out of the mountain center walk you down a hill uh, well they actually drive you down the hill that's the then, then all the niceties finish there um, and they pull back a flap of a um of a teepee and inside the teepee is it's just snow it's just on the snow uh, and they give you a little reindeer skin which is about two feet three feet long uh, and that's it. So you, you you put your reindeer skin down and you get into your sleeping bag and it, it went below minus 20 that night. 
So you can imagine like the level of sleep that you've got, like your face is freezing. You're kind of, you're half, you need to breathe, you need oxygen, but you're trying to cover your face up because as you can imagine, like you can feel that the, the temperature is crazy cold. Um, and yeah, so we've woken up there. Obviously every, everything's frozen solid. You're trying to kind of, you, you're wrestling your gear back into sort of flexibility because everything's, everything's solid. Um, and you, and uh, yeah, we'll just walk back up towards the mountain center because that's where we were having the, the last kind of the day's briefing before we hit the start line and off we go. And it was just that 10 minute walk back up. And it, it, was a, it was a real slap around the face to be like, it doesn't matter if you're going out for one minute or one hour, like you have to have, your gear has to be on point as soon as you're in those temperatures because there's no, the thing is that it's very difficult to come back from that. That particular experience we're walking to mountain center is fine, you can warm up when we're there. But when you're out and, and it's, um, when you're out for the day, you, you, there's not much, um, uh, how to put it, there's not, there's not much leeway given to you by that environment. Like mm -hmm. if you start to get hypothermic, it's very hard to get back from that because yeah. the, the, it, you know, the, the, the environment is sucking you in that direction. Your whole, your body's doing everything it can to fight it. Um, and if you give an inch, it'll take a mile. Tom, on these sort of uh, races, you have a very unique uh, bunch of people that are there, right? You, you're not going to get your everyday runners turning up to do 230k through the Arctic. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure there's still people there that, and, and I definitely don't want you to, to name names here or anything, but did you see from anyone you were like, okay, that person's being like this, I need to avoid, or that person's just done that, I don't think that's very smart. Like, how are the dynamics in that situation? And what are you looking out for to set yourself up to succeed over the next five days? Yeah, look, it's, that's, that's a really good question. I think that um, you get clarity that, like day by day, almost hour by hour. You can start to see who, who's behaving in a way that, you know, I suppose if I, if I think back to some of the experiences I've had on previous races, and you, you, start, to, you start to spot similarities of the people that do well, you know, how well is their gear packed? How are they talking or not talking? How loud are they or not? Um, how focused are they? You know, when you're having a conversation with them about food, how clued up are they? Um, when you talk to them about training, all these sort of things. So everyone's kind of feeling each other out in the first kind of, we were there for kind of mostly about a day and a half to two days beforehand. Um, so it's interesting to engage with different people. And as, as you guys both know, there's a whole range. Yes, it's, it's, it's a unique group of people that will do something like this. But even within that, there's a huge range from the guys that are up front and, and aiming to win this thing to those that are at the back and trying to complete, it's a very different mentality and, and, and often experience level. And I think a few people jumped into this race, um, I would say swayed by how beautiful it looked and you know, just how, how much of an adventure it looked like, uh, but weren't necessarily prepared for what they were about to get into. Um, and I think this happens a few times on this race uh, and I think that's telling with the fact that the majority of the people that dropped out, dropped out within the first two days. Yes, they're tough days, but it's also the first time you get slapped around the face with minus 20 degrees um, and you've still got serious distance to do. And it's nothing like the training that you've done. And that's the thing, right? It, it, it's just nothing like the training that you've done. It is very difficult to train for a race in, in those extreme environments, even more so than, than the desert. Um, and I think that, that caught quite a few people out. It really did. You know, there were some guys that were talking about like, you know, that they'd done well in certain races beforehand that, um, you know, that came and stuck quite quickly out there. So I have a question for both of you two. So how do you break down a race that is so far removed from where we currently are? And how do you train effectively for it to come back and yeah. have, well, in effect, have had a good time and a really good experience and not have had to drop out in two well, days? I'll let Tom start on that because he put the plan together. <laughs> 
hip flexors. It's all I cared about. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of marching. <laughs> and, and it was, and I, so I, I looked at it from, from two different sides. One was the physiological aspect. Um, and then trying to be as specific as possible to Tom's almost race pace, if you like, which was never going to be high, right? So um, he did a lot of banded marching. We did a lot of uh, time in the dunes. Uh, you you set yourself up to go to ski Dubai. Yeah. Um, but really, it's a very, you, if you looked at the plan, you would think it doesn't look that fun because it wasn't designed to be super fun. It was designed to be specific to what Tom was doing, which is going to be on your feet all day, picking your foot up out of um, like deep snow mm. with a bit of added extra weight on. Mm. And we can talk about the snowshoes, but um, that is going to change your, your gait, number one. And it's going to change a little bit of the muscles that you're using when you're doing it. And all I could think of was, He's going to have a backpack on plus heavier, uh, a heavier weight on his feet. We need to get his hip flexors bulletproof because he's just going to be pulling up day after day after day. So we did a lot with that. Um, and then the other thing was making the training like psychologically quite monotonous and difficult for Tom. So um, I might give him three exercises and tell him to repeat them until the hour is up. I gave him some stuff that involved the, the pool, like aqua jogging which was, again, because water is thicker than air, it, it mimics that slower foot movement and, and works the, the hip muscles a bit more, but also it's incredibly boring. Um, so we did, we did a lot of that, which I'm sure you appreciated. Fun months. It was a fun few <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that was why I found it very interesting to coach him for it, because, you know, there's, there are ways to get through sessions, uh, which both of you know, to split things up in different ways. But if, if I've already split it up and then I'm telling you to do it for a longer period of time, it's like, how are you going to split up what I've already split up for you? Yeah. Um, and, and that can make things pretty interesting, but it'd be good to know what your thoughts are on it, Tom, knowing what you know now, how do you yeah. think we managed it? No, I think, I, I think we did. I think we did well. Um, my focus was to try more so this time around um, because I suppose my life, life changes as we as I suppose as we get a bit older but for sort of the time that I had available in 2015 training for MBS it's quite different to the time that I had available in you know in 2021 training for for this so I was trying to do as I was trying to find that line between as much as I could do training wise but also still manage with work still manage relationships and these sort of things and it's it, it is a fine line and it's different for everybody right and that said for the amount of training that I did I was very happy, obviously, with the result. Um, I felt that I was I was able to push when I needed to push. Um, I was able to. It was one of those races where it was quite conditions were quite horrible, uh, quite a lot of the time. And I mean that in a in a way that um, I, I personally I enjoy, I enjoy that. And I feel that the the more horrible it gets, the better I will perform because. I'm able to sit in a in, in in a space of monotony of like like crossing those lakes, for example. Like I, that was the best day that I had, and that was the most mentally disgusting <laughs> time I've ever had in a race. Just hours upon hours of just frozen lake, just straight to the horizon as far as far as you could see. You could that it wasn't frozen enough to run on it, so you could barely like march slash walk. But the snowshoes were all over the place. And you're just marching with the poles and your head's down and literally just not stopping. We're talking like four or five hours 
of just like not even slowing down, just keeping the same pace and just being like, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, and that was one of my, be my better days per se in terms of like race performance. And I think that's because of the, um, the, the monotony of it. But to go back to the question around training, um, I think we, yeah, I think we did well with it. The, you know, the monotony def definitely helps. That's a, a space that I enjoy. Um, what would I have done differently? I think uh, even more marching um, than, than, than we did. Um, I'd say even, even more marching because just the conditions were, and that's hit and miss, right? Because the race, the race beforehand, that uh, 21 plus kilometer section of lakes was frozen for them. They took their snowshoes off and they ran. So that would have been a half marathon for those guys to gun it. For us, it was it was just an absolute mess. So you know, they, it just the conditions can change from day to day. So you never really you do never really know. Um, but you know, I, look, I felt I felt fit enough. I felt strong enough, um, and it, yeah, it went well. I enjoyed it. Can you tell us about day two, the yeah. summit? Yeah, that got um, that was pretty interesting. The uh, as, as I put in the in the blog, that was. That was um, a point that I've never faced in a race to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm actually not going to make it through this. And not because, not because I pushed too hard in a race and I, you know, I've blown up, for example. Like we've all been there, but this is like the conditions are so bad. I don't know how long I can actually withstand this for. Like I've you never paint the picture. Paint the picture for us. Sure. So um, I came through checkpoints, checkpoint two. So it was a decent, it was a 40. 42, 45K, 45K day. And the summit's about 1,200 meters. Um, and within, within sort of a, a checkpoint. So you, you start to go up a little bit between one and two, hit checkpoint two and literally just turns right and goes, goes straight up. Now, there was a little bit of a psychological mistake that was made. I've, I've got to take responsibility for it. But the conversation we had the night before was one of the guys was like, I've, I've rechecked the profile. You basically hit the peak, it's all downhill from there, which it was. 17k downhill from there which is fine but what we missed was that when we reach the peak it's actually a couple of hours along the peak before you start coming down because there's about four kilometers five kilometers and you're moving really slowly at that at that height in those conditions and um, there was obviously a gap between myself and the guy in front so i couldn't see anybody um, and the the as i as i got to the summit it was between minus 30 and minus 35 my um I was losing control of limbs and stuff like that. My arms were just so, it was just so, so, so cold up there. Um, and I then couldn't drink or eat anything because I couldn't take my gloves off because literally you take your gloves off in seconds. And I'm, I'm wearing gloves underneath them. I'm talking my outer gloves. Within seconds, you, you start to lose complete feeling and then you can't get back. So I was really worried about losing control of my hands. So I didn't want to take the outer glove off to try and get food in. So. I then got to the, I got to the peak. It's a sideways, like gale, gale force wind. Um, my eyeballs freezing, so I'm closing one eye because I, I couldn't see out of the one eye. My, my ski goggles, totally frozen solid. Couldn't, I tried to bring them down onto my face, couldn't see anything. So they had to go back up on the head. So it was just, it was, a, it was just brutal conditions. And, and in, that, um, in an environment like that, you, you start, everything starts to slow down. Now, I'm not sure if that's kind of the starting point towards ending up in a place where you fall asleep on top of a mountain and don't wake up. I don't know, but everything was slowing down and my brain was not, I just wasn't thinking straight. And I remember coming off um, what was supposed to be the trail because we had, there were poles mostly that you could see at one point, I couldn't see the next pole. And that was when I started to kind of um, get a little bit stressed. 
and I, I was stepping around and you boom, you're going down to like, you're, you're up to your knee and you're trying to get back onto what you think was the path again and everything has been blown away. And there was a moment there for about 10 minutes where I was just, I was just stumbling around and I, I, I was starting to lose orientation of like, which way am I supposed to be going? Every step I seem to be going like knee deep or further in, into snow and I can't really see the trail in front of me. And that was, um, yeah, there was a period there where I was, I, it was peak breaking point. Like I was at, at absolute breaking point and just trying to, trying to apply logic to tell, I was trying to tell myself that I'm in a race it's safe because if I hit my transponder, people will come and find me. So you've just got to keep moving. Like you're not going to die up here because your body's telling you like eject, 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 right? Like this is dangerous. And you've got to try and calm your mind to, to maintain control over your decisions rather than just doing fight or flight, which is just pull the eject cord and get the fuck out of there. So what you're trying to do is, is control that. And when all hell is breaking loose around you, control the decision-making, just be like, I'm in a race. I've just got to keep moving. Other people have already crossed this summit. Like I'm not actually going to die here. So like just you know, maintain and, and just keep stumbling along until I realized that I was starting to go downhill. And then I had a smile on my face and then <laughs> I could finally see that checkpoint. And I was just like, geez, I was honestly, I was, I was well, I was welling up coming off it. I was like, that was, that was something else that I just couldn't believe. I was like shell shocked at what had just happened. And I literally, I got actually um, in the, uh, in the cabin that night, uh, oh, it was actually a couple of nights later. We were looking at the um, the sections, and I got the fa I, fastest section in the race of that the ten k from checkpoint three down to the to the last one. I was on such like a an endorphin high, and I was able to just kind of get like this long trot on. So I just flew down there and got the got the fastest section of anybody in the race on that section. I was on such a high that I didn't just die on top of the bloody mountain. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was pretty intense, mate. Did that did that section get the better of anyone and end someone's race? Yeah, quite a, quite a few. Um, so there was, as I said, there was, there was a lot of dropouts on on day one and day two, and most of those on day two were was somewhere on that mountain. And mm -hmm. um, one of the ladies, oh, absolute bulletproof, an older Irish lady, um, who was just made of steel. I mean, she was coming in hours and hours behind us every day. In horrendous temperatures because obviously as soon as the sun goes down it just it, you know gets even colder and um, and she was crossing that peak she had to press her button because she lost control of all it. she couldn't move her arms anymore and she said she she wasn't wearing the right jacket when she went up there so she was losing she basically knew she was going into hypothermia like she couldn't she didn't have the right gear on and she couldn't operate she couldn't get into her bag because her hand stopped working so she just she hit the button just out of safety and she's like, I, I need to get, I need to get her off here. And I think I, I put that so I think it was on social um, that the Sammy guys got up there like 150 kilometers an hour on a ski bike and got to her within six and a half minutes. And she was at the peak wow. of the mountain and they just went, Phew, just they're, they're unbelievable. I mean, the Sammy people are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet, like really, like really funny banter at every checkpoint, like lifting everybody's spirits. Um, but when, yeah, when, when the shit's hitting the fan, those are the guys you want around. Um, they're just, yeah, just, they're just made of bullets. I mean, they just, they just live up there, you know? So, um, so yeah, they were great to have around. So she, uh, she came down, she was able to start the next day. And that's it with, with these things, right? Once you warm up, you're okay. Um, yeah. But it's just, uh, you know, the best example of that was on day one, there was a, um, a pro trail runner, he's a sponsored athlete. And I can't remember if it was kilometer 30 or kilometer 40, but it was on day one. Um, he hadn't eaten or, or, or drunk for the uh, for literally the first twenty plus kilometers because 
the bodies weren't telling us to do that. I, I, I wrote in the blog as well. I almost got caught out myself with, with horrendous cramping at the end of day one because I got so, so dehydrated at the start. Um, but he stopped himself at that uh, checkpoint three and he, um, he, knew, he knew his body enough to know that there was something wrong and he needed to actually stop, get some fluids in, like just take a bit of a break. But he just kept deteriorating. The, the medics couldn't um, get him out of it. So from within 15 minutes, he was in an emergency blanket, then two emergency blankets, then their jackets on top of him. And he was just getting worse and worse and worse. And um, so they had to get the helicopter to come in and, uh, and rescue him off the, um, off the side of the mountain. Uh, and that's, you know, that's somebody that wins races. Uh, and he was, he was only in, it wasn't like he was pushing himself to his limits. He was in, uh, he was in third or fourth place. Um, you know, I went, I went past him uh, and it was maybe five, six kilometers after I went past him that he, that he hit that checkpoint and then that was the end of his race. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was rough. It was rough. There was 32 people that started and, and 13 people that finished. That's an incredible start. Yeah. yeah. What, um, what were you fueling with? Any special secrets? Um, my uh, my wonderful wife made me some uh, some some secret bars. I will uh, I will sell you the recipe. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I was trying to find something. It's quite unique actually because anything that you take, you have to put in the freezer beforehand and make sure that it doesn't freeze. Because it, obviously, um, if all of your food freezes, you can't eat it, and it's bit that's historically been a problem for a lot of people taking like you know a bar off a shelf and just thinking this is what I normally eat going out there and then taking it out of their pocket and it's, you know, it's, it's a rock. So, um, so we, we played around with a few different recipes. So it was basically like a, a date oats energy bar with a whole bunch of different from macadamia and all sorts in it. So healthy and, and shortbread, not so healthy, uh, like loads of shortbread because it's obviously it's just butter and sugar. Um, mm. So that was really good. And um, so those were kind of like base food during the day. Uh, and then outside of that, trusty tailwind because that stuff's just amazing um and that you know everyone that was on tailwind was raving about it like you know what it is you get one of those into you 15 minutes later you feel like you're flying for 10 minutes <laughs> um but yeah so that that was good that was good and then outside of that it was the usual you know um uh, expedition foods uh in the uh, in, in the evening the thousand calorie meals and then in the morning just made my own muesli with some uh some Huel um, shake uh, and some, some muesli bits and bobs, about sort of 500 calories, 600 calories, something like that. Um, and that, that was it. Um, yeah, that was it. So it worked well for me. And you were losing weight each day, I'd imagine, with the, with the amount your body has to work to keep yourself warm. Yeah, I'm quite cross on myself for not weighing myself before and after, which is probably going to be your next question. Um, yeah. I should have, but I, I was, unfortunately, I got, it, was, yeah, it was a shitty couple of weeks. I got... Um, quite sick with some strange like stomach bug uh, leading up to it so my my head was just trying to get yourself to the race I, I so I forgot to weigh myself beforehand and then uh, <laughs> I managed to get COVID when I was out there so that showed up on day one after the race um, when I landed in Dubai I started feeling a bit shitty on the flight um, and I tested myself when I landed and, and realized that I had COVID so then my head wasn't in uh, in weighing myself I was just trying to recover with zero immune system but um but yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I was about um, three and a half thousand calories uh, was carried and consumed each day and um, burning anywhere from, depending on the day, anywhere from six and a half to 10 um, on, on different days, depending on the terrain and what we were doing. So, so yeah, there was a big deficit. I know the, the most calories burned ever recorded was, I think, in the South Pole. Yeah. Two guys trekking across the South Pole. 
ever recorded so i mean you know it could have been more by other people but the cold just seeps you because your body has to work so much harder to keep itself warm right that's it it's interesting to i mean just to emphasize that they were they were walking right so yeah (laughs) i think (laughs) compared to pulling pulling sleds yeah yeah, sure. I mean, for instance, for sure. But um, but you know, obviously, fairly slow movement, right? Because of yeah. the, the distance they have to do. But um, you guys are running. Yeah, I mean, look, running, running, hiking, but not carrying that sort of weight. So, but um, but yeah, it's 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 uh, go back to the hypothermia thing. If you don't eat and drink, you get hypothermia very quickly because mm. your body needs that energy and those fluids to for its fight, and it's constantly fighting in those temperatures. One thing you mentioned that probably people wouldn't have considered was uh, you got yourself a little bit dehydrated on day one. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, yeah, funny that. So it was, um, I got to the, uh, I got, I'd gone through the, the, the no glove situation as, as we spoke about earlier. So everyone was, was pretty cold. I mean, it was minus, it was minus 20 at the, at the start line, right? So uh, freezing. And even though I told myself, start with less on and, and you know put it on if you need it it was just it was so cold i was like oh well i'll definitely need my down jacket so i just put the down jacket on and then um yeah it was a bit stupid um but it was just one of those situations where you, you're racing then right like it's the one point of the race where everyone's like having a crack you know you, you're running and you don't want to get lost i know you've got 230 kilometers to go but you just don't want to get lost from the pack because you're messing around with your bag so i was just like oh just suck it up and i'll just keep going um, and it was only when we got to one of the checkpoints at I think the 20k mark that I actually took the jacket off. Um, and when I finished the day, when I took the jacket out of the bag, and this is a, like a, it's a down jacket, I didn't realize how soaked in sweat that it had been. That the jacket was a solid ball. Like I almost like I had to defrost the jacket in the cabin until I could even, because otherwise I'd think I would have ripped the fabric or something. It was a it, it was containing so much fluid that it obviously come through me. Um, and then that was causing causing the problems. I, I felt a few niggly cramps, and I was like, I felt this before, and this isn't good. And then it progressively got worse. And um, I was slamming the salts, and I, and I, I it was it was close. It got to the point where I was I um, I couldn't run towards the end even if I wanted to because as soon as I changed my movement, everything started to go into cramp. So I was like, shit. The only way I'm going to get myself to the end of this race is just to maintain what I'm doing and kind of protect um, protect my movement and just keep it in the same gait. And then, uh, and then I was able to get to the end without um, uh, without fully cramping up. Uh, and then, yeah, as I got across the line, I was in a hell of a state. So I crawled into my sleeping bag and just, just yeah, was in like some delirium for for a couple of hours until like, you know the food. I I just eaten some food, so that I had to get into my system. And then, you know, a couple of hours later, I felt great um, and just kind of recovered. But there was that period of time where I. I was thinking back to conversations with Tom when I was like, Tom, so, you know, day one, I'm going to give, I'm going to have a crack, you know, I'm going to have a crack. And he's like, don't overcook it. I was like, I'm not going to overcook it. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I was lying in bed, like rocking backwards and forwards in some, some shit hole in the arse end of like Lapland, just thinking to myself, I was like, oh, he's going to kill me. He <laughs> told me not to do this. And I'm, this is exactly what I've done. And it was all that was in my head at that time. I was like, yeah, I was, I was looking forward to this conversation. Never a doubt. Yeah. Nobody ever, take, nobody ever takes it easy on day one yeah that's it right especially if you, you just kind of want to the, the plan from previous races was have a go when other people are not having a go right so it's a longer it's a longer day it's day one people are going to be taking it easy just push yourself find your limit but and, and try not to cross it but but also don't kind of just hold back and 
just kind of like stumble along and thinking you'll make that time up later, which potentially I might not have because you know it, it turned out to be a race between between the six of us, so um, seven of us. So so yeah, that was good. Tom, your the the race itself is is very interesting, but so is your mindset around it. You you said a lot on social you were going to look for something. You well, you just said you were going to go look for something. Can you explain what that something? is and then i have another follow-up question after that yeah absolutely i am um, i'm i'm very much a believer that that you get out what you put into these these types of events and i mean that by by the by chasing the absolute limit by by spending time in those spaces where you're risking failure in a very real way you're, you're you're an absolute breaking point and sometimes you'll cross it and it won't work out for you but you'll never find that line if you don't push yourself to that absolute limit and it's the times and i was you, know, you could say fortunate, fortunate this time it's the times that you get to that line like right to the line but you don't cross it and you still succeed what you get from that is so powerful in terms of goggins talks about callousing the mind but the, the way I look at it is, is it's it drives your it, it defines your self awareness. It know it allows you to know exactly what you're capable of. It obviously builds self confidence because you know that well. I thought I was able to go to here, but I was actually able to go to there. It it increases your your sphere of comfort. So it, like you know how far you're able to to push your personal boundaries before you break. So therefore, everything that's within our normal day-to-day -day just becomes that much easier whether it's stress at work whether it's you, know, you come back something's on fire like something that, that potentially could have been catastrophic and you'd have overthought it and you'd be awake every night and, and, and just not able to mentally deal with it all of a sudden you're like I've been in some really bad situations and yes they're physical but they're also mental I mean been in some really bad situations and I've been able to get through that and I've known that None of it's ever linear. And then if you keep plowing through nine times out of 10, you're going to get through it. You're going to find your way through it. In a race, you get to the next checkpoint. And whatever the scenario is, most people fail because they quit, right? So if it's a, something going on at work, a, a difficult situation, a relationship problem, whatever it might be, you fail because you quit because it just becomes so difficult. You're like, there was no way through. So I, like, I, I stopped it. And that, that's where the failure is, not necessarily... The, the situation itself it was the decision to stop that then defined the failure now if you've gone through a scenario in a, in a race and you've you've pushed yourself to that limit and you've chosen not to stop and therefore you have not failed coming back into normal life you just you almost feel invincible in a way because you're like i can deal with so much so you know you just become calmer at work you become easier to, to you know in in, in tough situations and I, and i think that's that's what I was looking for. I was looking for more of that. I've, I've been fortunate enough to find that a few times in certain races. And I was looking for something that, that was that was more difficult and therefore I would get more from that situation than ever before. And that, that's what I found on top of that mountain, actually, um, when it almost broke me, but didn't quite. You are, um, you are quite renowned for showing up to Thursday runs or track and just jumping in Eight. with... <laughs> and just jumping in maybe onto my session or someone else's and about 20 minutes in you going um tom are you you're right to run this yeah 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 i'll do whatever you're doing you're like okay <laughs> and then you, you look turn around and you're still there just hanging on and you're like i always think this guy it's not even about the session 
it's not about the session for him. He just wants to turn up and run and just test himself. And if he blows up and has to walk back, he does. And if he hangs on, then he's had a great run. <laughs> That's it. It's as simple as that. And then we did, um, yeah, I remember one fairly recently, actually, when we, uh, I tagged onto the coach's run at, um, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what am I even doing here? I'm not even a coach here. You were, you were seven kilometers into the session and you turned around and looked at me and went, I don't think this is the session that I think I'm meant to be doing. Is this the same <laughs> session? Like, no, there's not been a rest in a long time. <laughs> it was a great day though. It was one of the best runs I've had in that, like probably in that month. I was like, yeah. I was broken, but I enjoyed it. I think a few I, people have PB'd their half marathon on that session. <laughs> I was, honestly, I was checking mine. I was very close to PBing if I didn't PB it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that was with some, we were doing some like tempo kilometers where we were actually slowing right down. So it shows how much faster that we were pushing for the, uh, for the others. Yeah, we were doing tempo blocks. It's one of my favorite things to look around in the run group and just see whose face is still there. And, and you know, you can see exactly who's got it right and who's got it wrong. But I think that it's a good lesson for people, for our listeners to, to hear is like you, you've taken on probably one of the toughest ultras there is out there that requires like incredible detail of planning, of, you know, packing, getting your food right, making sure you've got food that doesn't freeze. I mean, the admin side of it, I'm not envious to, at all of, but you're also cool to rock up to a run. And, and if, you, if you forget to read your session before it and you just jump on with someone else, like you're, you're cool with that. And I'd imagine people are thinking, wow, this guy must be absolute day-to-day like wizard in what he does but the, the truth is it, it's your mindset it's not actually your execution if you like yeah i mean look I, I i very much agree with that i think it's just taking what comes rather than over over planning overthinking i'm the same at work i don't i don't over structure things i, I try and keep my, my i try and keep my calendar as flexible flexible as possible and deal with what needs to be dealt with i you know i'm i suppose i'm in a fortunate position to be able to do that and um, when it comes to the admin side, that was a, it was a struggle for me to be as detailed as I needed to be for this particular race. And um, because it is for any ultra, whether it be MDS or any of the others, that it is pretty intense when it comes to admin because you don't want to forget that thing, whatever that thing is, right? And um, but this one specifically because I suppose because it's it is so ruthless. And if there's a bit of kit that you, that you forget, and all of a sudden you know maybe it's a you know, even worst case you know one of your one of your layers or something like that, just something that you don't get right. There isn't much coming back from it, um, mm. and that's the that's the challenge with um, with this particular race. So there was a lot of admin, but but yeah, I think it goes back to the, the part of the conversation we we're speaking about just now around you know what we're looking for and kind of like why type of thing. It's it all goes back to the same the same mindset of um, and also just taking what comes. If you if, if you're too rigid, if you're too structured, that can also throw you off psychologically because you're like this is this isn't what I planned. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Like the, the, I suppose the one example of that was when I got to the summit and I thought it was get to the summit, go down the other side. And the worst part of the entire week was staying up on that summit. And it was all because I thought in my head that I knew what was going to happen rather than just being like, whatever comes, whatever happens, happens. So you can get too bogged down. I think as runners, we're all a bit guilty of this sometimes and um, being too focused on, so maybe too focused on the training plan, too focused on the metrics, too focused on what the watch is telling you, too focused on, on the, 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 the split pace or all of these sort of things. They're important. Of course they are. And they're the baseline for, for performance. But 
so much as we know, so much of performance is upstairs, not in the legs. So it, you've got to find that balance. And I think it's different for everybody. Some people are complete data geeks and they just, they just love living in that space and others are on the, the other end of the spectrum. And I think it's okay for people to be at different, different levels of that. And they've just got to find what they're comfortable with. Uh, I, I got a whoop, for example, at one point, and all it did was upset me and piss me off because every Probably day- tried to get off your wrist as quickly as possible. Did it? Yeah. So I was, I was wearing it for a while and I was just like, this thing's just like, I, I, I'm not hitting the, then, then I'd get upset because I wasn't hitting the, the rest metrics that I wanted in this metric. And that I was just, I was get off. So I just got, I just got rid of it. And I've, I, I've just thrown it away because I was like, I, I don't need this in my life. Like to, to I don't, I don't need, I'm not, I'm not a, an Olympic athlete finding the 2% of performance. The 2% that I'll find at my level is upstairs. It's not, it's not in the detail of what's training peaks might be telling me. It's, it's, how am I, how have I got my head in the right space? Because I'm not the elite level performer, but down here, it's the, there's a huge variance that, that happens upstairs before it happens in your legs. Um, and I think everyone's got to find that balance. When, when you come across or when you're presented with a situation like the summit of that race, where you, you know, you find what you're looking for, like you said, are you identifying straight away? Wow. This is, this is what I came here for. Or is it, later on days later in the reflection is do you get almost immediate gratification from it or is it a post process sure. good, good question different races different different experiences so some of the races that um i'd say like the, the the mds races they they have been more delayed sort of um i'd say sitting down and really kind of unpacking what happened the build up to it what i took away from it I, and, I, and i would th- i would say that that was because i didn't reach peak I was never broken in that race. It was just, it was, it was relentless and we were pushing ourselves, but there was no point where I was like, geez, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. Like I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a hell of a state here. That never happened in those races. <clears throat> Going back to the summit as an example, I knew that I almost pulled the plug. I, I knew that I was this close to being like, I cannot take any more of this. So because I went through that, as soon as I went through it and started coming down the mountain, I suppose figuratively as well, as soon as I was coming off that summit and off that mountain, I knew that nothing was going to stop me for the rest of this race because I just got through the most difficult thing I've ever done in a race. So it was, it was that emotional. And, and all of a sudden I felt, I felt elated. Like I was literally, I was floating when I was running because I literally just, it was like the weight off my shoulders of going, I've just done it. Like, that's what I wanted to try and do. I wanted to get to breaking point and not get broken. And that was, that was instant. So different things. I think the, the more intense it is, the, 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 the more you will realize that the moment has just happened, the less intense it is. I think you've got to work through it and unpack it and understand the lessons um, that you received from, from the experience. Tom, a lot of people um, go and search for what you've, what you've found and then they, they immediately think, what's next? Hmm. What can be more extreme than, you know, nearly pushing the button on top of a mountain that you didn't realize was there in the conditions that you were in. Does that worry you that you're like, Oh man, what am I going to, what, what am I going to get myself into next time? Or are you looking at it a bit differently? I am looking at it differently. And it's a question I've been asked a few times. I would, um, I'm very content. I'm very happy with what just happened. I love the experience. I loved what happened to me psychologically and everything that we just discussed. And, I, and I've really internalized it and spent time thinking and I'm, and I'm, it's made me very happy. And um, so I've come back to re-engage in normal life again. And I'm re-engaging with work. I'm you know, going for a beer with a friend and I'm doing the things that I haven't been doing the six months prior. 
um, and really enjoying those things. So it's not, I, I'm not Googling what comes next. Like I, I've, 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 I think because it was so intense, I'm still coming down off the high of, of, of having done it, that I don't feel I need to go and try and do something else. I'm just, I'm really content. That's the best word I could use. Mm. So I think the, um, when I thought through running, I think I might've mentioned this to you before as well. One of the things is, and probably because of the training program you gave me, um, the rule I'm trying to set for myself is not to go running on my own. Because I, I, I just, I, if I'm going to go running again, I want it to be social. So I'm, I'm focused, the only running I'm going to do is social running with friends and training sessions and track Tuesdays and these sort of things. Um, and then look to, you know, over summer, go and have some fun in the Alps and do, you know, some 50K day races and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not trying to recreate that moment. That moment was enough for me and I'm happy. And, you know, maybe next year it's a different conversation, but right now I'm, mm. I'm yeah, I'm happy. That's awesome. Even better, we'll see you tomorrow, 5.59 at Track Tuesday. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Bring your toes. Bring your toes. Yeah, still wiggling my, my black toes. <laughs> Mate, we really appreciate your time. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, you could probably chat. You probably have chatted all day about this. And uh, yeah, yeah, I just appreciate your time to come on and, and talk to us and, and the listeners, I'm sure, as well, are, are wanting to know more. And guys, you can head over. I've put it in the show notes, Tom's, um, Tom's blog that you wrote. It's very good. It's about a 15-minute read, but it's well worth it. And I think you have some even better stories in there that you can, people can go and read through. Um, but, yeah, thank you, mate. Rob, any any last questions? You, you're signing up tomorrow, or you've already signed I, up? <laughs> let me get through my. Uh, I hope to. It's funny you say that because when, when you when you talk about that experience, that's experiences that I've also experienced as well, but mm. from completely different situations. And I know how you feel doing it, and it's there's no better feeling when you come out of it and you go, "Yes." Yeah. Unfortunately, quite a lot of the time I have stopped, but. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the nature of pushing the line, right? Mm. You know, it's easy for someone that, that can sit back and be like, oh, you failed on that. It's like, well, no, you didn't fail because you learned something. But if you, if you don't risk failure, how can you ever get to, to find that level of growth? You, you can't. Yeah. It's easy to play it safe and play within your, 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 your capabilities. But like, for example, you taking on UTMB and doing like crazy ass distances over that sort of elevation and, and, and needing to stop at that point, like you you would never have even uh, you'd never have had the opportunity to get that growth if you didn't put yourself in that position and risk failure and that's mm. and that's it like failure is part of part of winning we all we all know that right so it's it's just part of the journey like the next race you do you, you'll do the same thing and you won't stop and you'll come off the back of it and you'll and you'll have received everything that you were hoping for from the race so um, i just think people people need to realize that when they want to stop they probably shouldn't stop at that point they've got yeah. a little bit more left in them that they can push through yeah, and, and it's it, it's different for everyone, but it's you know as, as as you guys both know, that pain is never linear. Like you can go on a twenty k run and feel horrendous at five kilometers for no reason, and feel elated at twenty kilometers. You know, it's 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 a strange running is a strange thing. The body's a strange thing, and and quite often it's just like right fuel hydration. Just keep plodding on. Just keep keep moving as much as you can. Um, it doesn't always work out, but when it does, it's it's fantastic brilliant Beautiful. Tom do you want to promote one of your 700 businesses or give <laughs> Sean Hills a shout out <laughs> <laughs> Sean Hills always a, always a good shout out I miss that guy um, but yeah look guys please, do, please set it, have, have a look at the um, the blog uh, if you like it drop me a message on uh, on social obviously always always happy to chat if anyone's interested in signing up to the race 
Um, it is it, it is magical. It's one of the most incredible experiences, incredible environments that you will likely never go to. Um, but I would very much recommend doing it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend doing it as a first race, to be honest, because I think you've got to get your admin right. And there was a few people that were coming a bit. I was like, you've not done this before, have you? Um, and then it didn't work out for them. So I wouldn't do it as a first race. But if, your stripes. if you're if you're into this, um, I would definitely recommend it. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Cheers, team.